and uh, that's a that's a great song. So good job, thank you for playing that this this morning. John chapter fifteen is where we're going to be. John fifteen, and we're going to just read two verses uh, this morning, and uh, really kind of study these out. There'll be other verses we'll mention as we go through the message, but uh, John fifteen verses twelve and thirteen. John fifteen twelve and thirteen. The Bible says this: This is my commandment, that ye love one another. As I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Lord, it's already been a wonderful service. Lord, we thank you for uh, Rose, who was baptized and followed you in, in believer's baptism. What a blessing that was. Appreciate her desire to do that. Uh, Lord, thank you for the children who sang and the songs that uh, we got to sing together. But Lord, now as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that you would uh, just still our hearts and help us, Lord, to focus now on what you'd have for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, to have a responsive heart towards you, uh, a, a desire to obey, a desire to submit to the word of God for our individual lives. And we pray these things in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today, as we've mentioned several times, is We Love More Sunday. And I was, as I was thinking about this town in which we lived, I, I, I got to think, thinking about some of the other places that uh, my wife and I have lived during our marriage. We actually have lived in some pretty beautiful places uh, throughout our uh, 20, almost 21 years of marriage. Uh, we started out in Orange County, California. For 15 years is where we lived. Uh, I know that uh, those of us in Oklahoma, as we think of California, we usually don't have great thoughts about California. But I assure you there is some beauty to behold in that state. Um, and it's becoming less and less, but um, there, there is some beauty to behold there. We actually, uh, I worked in uh, Newport Beach, uh, which was right there on the coast, and uh, we lived just 15 minutes from the beautiful Pacific Ocean, and uh, we went there, uh, well, not that much, but we actually drove by it quite a bit in our travels and uh, as we uh, lived there. Well, then in 2015, we uh, moved to Helena, Montana, big sky country, and it was so beautiful at all seasons of the year. Well, actually, those in Montana joke that there's only two seasons of the year. There's winter and then the 4th of July, and then it starts winter again. Uh, that's usually what happens there. In fact, that's not actually accurate because one year on the 4th of July, it actually snowed. So really, it's just one season there in Montana, just winter. Um, sometimes it's harsher than others. Uh, but it was so beautiful. And uh, so, so in our marriage, we got to experience the beauty of the ocean there in California, and then we got to see the, ma ma majest the majestic Rocky Mountains, and then the gorgeous lakes, and the wildlife of Montana. Then in 2018, we moved to Moore, Oklahoma. Uh, not, not exactly the prettiest when it comes to the scenery. I mean, there is a Walmart here. Uh, there is a Chick-fil-A here, so... That is beautiful to my eyes, um, and uh, maybe the weather is a little bit more turbulent here, 
uh, than where we came from, but at least the winter is a little less severe than Montana. Although this past February, I was questioning whether that was the case or not. When we went through the uh, frozen Arctic tundra that came through here for two weeks. But as we moved in, though, to our, our new home and to our new church family and then to this community, uh, we immediately noticed a difference in the people here and, and fell in love with not just the wonderful amenities of this town. There are many, actually. Uh, but we fell in love with the people and the spirit of this, this town. Um, this town has experienced quite a few tragedies and heartache over the last several recent years. In 1999, there was an F5 tornado with the highest wind speed ever recorded on planet Earth at a whopping 301 miles per hour. And in that tornado back in 1999, 36 people perished. How many were here in 1999? Oh, several hands. Then in 2013, in more recent memory, a tornado uh, with a category EF5. They changed the categories um, in between these two tornadoes. But this was also a, an F5 tornado, not quite the wind speed, but it left quite a path of destruction here and more. And uh, it killed 24 people, including 10 children. How many were here in 2013 when that happened? Okay, a lot more hands. Well, then, even in recent days since our family has been here on February 3rd of 2020, three members of the Moore High School cross-country and track teams were killed when they were hit by a pickup truck, and this happened literally just down the road from our church. Then in October of last year, just six months ago, uh, we had a really bad ice storm that created significant damage to trees and fences all over our town community and it actually took out electricity for thousands of people for days and even up to uh, a couple weeks in fact this building we're in right now was without power for two long weeks and uh, we had to meet over in the uh, fellowship hall for those two actually I think it may have been even three Sundays see this city definitely knows about tragedy and heartache but each time this town made it through those times of tragedy, and they did so together. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I really love being here in Moore, is because, not because everything always goes smoothly and just hunky-dory here, is that we as a community are able to get through some of these heartaches and tragedies, and we do so together. Now today, as we have mentioned many times, is We Love More Sunday. And so I thought it would be very appropriate for us today to look at a passage in the Bible concerning love. Not just any passage, though. Uh, these are the words of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you happen to have a red-letter Bible in your lap there, uh, you'll notice that the entire chapter of uh, John chapter 15 is all in red. Because what that means is that Jesus said every one of these words. And uh, it, it's, it's important for us to understand that uh, as Jesus talks about love, he is the ultimate authority on the subject. Uh, he, he knows more about love than uh, anybody you can think of. 
He is the ultimate authority. The, the fact is, the Bible declares in uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It doesn't just say that God is loving. It says he is love. It's, it's his nature. It's his essence. He is love. And so today, as, he, uh, as we look at this passage, we're going to uh, learn some truths about love from the source of all love, the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, first of all, with me as we walk through this, uh, the, this, this passage together, I want us to see, number one, the expectation, the expectation of love. In verse number 12, Jesus says this to his disciples, This is my commandment, that ye love one another, that ye love one another. Now, chapter 15 of John, just to help us understand when Jesus said these words, this was right before he died on the cross. So you have his public ministry. He, he started his public ministry at age 30, and he died on the cross at age 33 and a half or so. And uh, John chapter 15 takes place right the night before he was crucified. He's meeting in the upper room with his disciples. He has just served the bread and the juice. And he had just washed the disciples' feet. And now he's teaching them some things that were really important that he wanted to uh, convey. Uh, after we, we get to chapter 18 is where he, we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. So this, all, from chapter 13 all the way through chapter 17, is between the time that he served the uh, juice and the and the bread, and then before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray on the night of his betrayal and arrest. So uh, this was an important time, a, a, a crossroads, so to speak, because he was informing his disciples that he was about ready to be gone. He was about ready to be crucified uh, for them. And so he uh, wants to give them this important information. And what was that important information? Well, part of it in verse number 12 was that they would love one another. And it was a commandment of the Lord Jesus. Now, ever since these disciples started following Jesus, there was, as you read through their particular journey in getting along with one another, uh, let's just say there was division among the disciples, about who would be the greatest in the kingdom to come. We see that there was bickering, there was strife, there was division, there was comparison between the disciples. And so Jesus issues this new commandment to love one another. Uh, your Bible is open to John 15. If you flip back just to John chapter 13, it may be one or two pages be, uh, before John 13, verse number 34, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And then he says in verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have one to another. So Jesus says, Hey, uh, you're supposed to love each other. And by the way, this is the mark. This is the identifier that you are one of my disciples. He did not say, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you uh, wear a shirt from Walmart that says you all need Jesus. Does anybody have that shirt? Okay, good. 
I like that shirt. That's a great shirt. Um, but that's not what Jesus said that we are to do in order to let people know that we're his disciples. It doesn't even say, put a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says, honk if you love Jesus. That's not the identifier that Jesus said would uh, identify us as his disciples. What he said was, if you love one another, that's how men are going to know that you are my disciples. Because uh, love among each other is uh, a rarity. Boy, uh, as we've gone through the last uh, 14, 15 months here in America, it's been abundantly obvious that we are living in a time of tremendous division and strife in our country. I mean, probably not since the days of the Civil War are we as divided as we are now. Sadly, I, I realize we are the United States of America, but I, 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 I'm putting air quotes around the word united. I, I don't know we're as united as we once were. We've allowed division and strife to creep into our country. There's been division based on what color of skin that God gave you. There's been division, tremendous division between police and citizens. There's been tremendous division among whether we should wear masks or no masks. And on it goes and what political party you are. And, and we are divided as a nation in all of these other things. And, and, and these are just the, the ones that are really out there. There's a lot of other ones as well. And so what this city needs and what this country needs is, and I'm specifically referring here to more because it is We Love More Sunday. What this city needs is not another chicken restaurant on 19th Street because I think we have enough. Okay? Hey, but just good news. I saw a couple days ago that uh, Raising Cane's, their restaurant is open. You can dine in there. So... Uh, See all there after the hamburgers, uh, but we we you know we need another chicken restaurant on 19th Street like we need another hole in the head. I understand that. Uh, we don't need another big box store, although I am sort of thankful that uh, Costco is opening eventually because we live very close to that. But what we really need in this city is not those things. It really needs the people in this community to truly love one another. That's what we really need. When it comes to loving one another, what does that really mean? Well, it involves, first of all, it involves our attitude. It involves our attitude. Over and over again in the Bible, we see that God is most concerned about the condition of our heart, what goes on in our hearts. We put a lot of emphasis on the external, but, but God puts the emphasis on what's, on, what's inside. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, John here is writing and he says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. But then he says, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother, and this is harsh words, is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Uh, those are pretty strong words, John. What John is trying to say is, look, our attitude matters. 
what goes on in our heart towards other people absolutely matters. God cares about it, and by the way, he sees it even if everybody else doesn't see it. And Jesus, as he uh, preaches on the uh, sermon on his Sermon on the Mount, there in Matthew chapter 5, he's like, you've heard it said of old time, you know, uh, you shouldn't murder your brother. He said, but whoso hateth his brother in his heart hath committed murder already in his heart. See, God cares about what goes on in our hearts. We may not hurt them physically and actually, but God sees our attitude, the attitude of our heart. And so we're to love others with having the right attitude. But then, yes, we are to talk about our actions as well. Having the right attitude towards someone else is wonderful and important, but it should not stop there. Uh, Just like if I love my wife and I just, oh, I just love my wife. And I have this, you know, inside it's just burning flame of love for my wife, okay? But if I never do anything to show her that I love her, how good is that feeling inside? Now, that feeling is important. It's a lot better than, I really can't stand that woman. Why did... (laughs) It's a lot better than that. But see, some people, they have just this wonderful, ooey-gooey, sappy feeling in their heart towards somebody, but there's no action. Love is more than a feeling, my friend. It is an action word. Word. It's a verb, more than just a noun. It's a, it's a verb. Here's what some of these young people actually have quite a, quite a bit of wisdom. I have a couple young people here who were asked what love is, and they defined it pretty well. Elaine, age five, says this, Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. It's more than just having this ooey-gooey feeling towards daddy. It's, I'm willing to show you by giving you the best piece of chicken. Chrissy, age six, says this, and this is an amazing display of love right here. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. (laughs) That's real love, my friend. See, action is, love is more than just having a feeling towards one another, and that's important. Uh, but, but it's going further and having the right actions. James 2 and verse 15 says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Hey, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? James says, look, you have somebody that comes across your life that has a need, a real tangible need, and you have the means to meet that need, but you go, hey, God bless you. I love you inside. But you're not willing to meet that need. He says, what doth it profit? It means nothing. You're you're feeling inside, wonderful. But if you're not actually doing something about it, what good is it? 1 John 3 and verse number 18, here's what John encourages all of us. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's easy to say to somebody you love them, 
But it's a whole different story to not just say it, but to show it. And uh, the encouragement here that Jesus is giving to his disciples is that they would love one another truly with the right attitude of the heart, but then also in action as well. And so this is the expectation that uh, Jesus has for all of us. It is not just a suggestion, by the way, it is indeed a commandment from the Lord Jesus himself. So we see the expectation. Secondly, we see the extent how, how are we to love? What, to what degree are we to love? Verse 12 says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another. And then here's the extent of that love. As I have loved you. So now we are... That expectation has just jumped up a few notches, hasn't it? Not only are we to love each other in the way that we feel comfortable loving one another... But now we're to love each other as Jesus loved the disciples and as Jesus loves us. That's the degree to which we are to love one another. Well, how did Jesus love us? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I asked that question. First of all, how did he love us? He loved us and his love was absolutely sacrificial in our life. It was sacrificial. Mark 10 and verse number 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Let me just stop there. I'll read the rest of the verse in a moment. Look, if, if anyone ever deserved to be ministered unto, it was the Lord Jesus. But that's not why he came to this earth. He didn't come to have people wait hand and foot on him and say, Oh, let me do all this. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. That's not his, was his mentality. His mentality was, I came to serve. I came to be a blessing to others. It was sacrificial in that regard, but it goes further. Son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and then to give his life a ransom for many. It wasn't that Jesus just came to serve. He came to sacrifice and to give his life for us. You see, we like to love others so long as it doesn't affect me. So long as it doesn't affect my schedule, my comfort, my convenience, my resources. So long as it doesn't cost me anything, then I will love my brother. I will love my neighbor. But the moment that it crosses the line to where now it starts to affect me, then, whoa, that's a different story. But Jesus says this. I want you to love others as I have loved you. And so today as we think about our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends, uh, the people that uh, we live with in this community, how do we love each other? I was at Walmart yesterday, and I was walking back to my truck, and uh, this uh, dear elderly lady was pulling out, and she was, bless her heart, pulling out the wrong way. You know how in Walmart there's like a certain way you should go down the aisles? She wasn't doing that. Well, there was another couple there, and, and this lady was trying to like nicely honk. You know there's a mean honk and a, and a nice honk? <laughs> I, I think it was in the category of a nice honk. There was this couple that was kind of in the way there, and so 
And bless this lady's heart, she, didn't, she wasn't going the right direction. But, but these people, they really had a bad attitude toward her. And, uh, and I was like, man, that's sad. That's not the way we should be uh, toward one another here in our community. We're called to love one another. And yes, if it means getting out of the way, even though they're going the wrong way. Yeah, we can do that. Instead of having a bad attitude and letting it ruin your day, it's not worth it. There's a, uh, I was thinking about this. There's a man in the Bible in Luke chapter number 10. The Samaritan, the uh, the record of the good Samaritan that we often uh, refer to. There was, there was a couple guys who saw this, this Jew who was left uh, on the side of the road, uh, beaten and bruised, unable to help himself. There was a priest that walked by and saw him and said, eh, kind of got a schedule to keep. I, I don't really have the time to give to that. It's going to cost me too much to take care of him. So I'm going to pass by on the other side of the street. Then a Levite, same exact thing. Walked by, saw him, went, ooh, no can do. <laughs> I'm going to go to the other side of the street. And, uh, and so as a result, this man was still in the ditch, left for dead, until this Samaritan Walked by, who, by the way, let me just stop and mention this. I brought up racial tension earlier. Uh, this man who was a Samaritan was willing to help a Jew. And in that day, let me tell you talk about racial prejudice and discrimination and a racial tension. That was absolutely happening then. In fact, the Bible says uh, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, didn't want to have anything to do with them. And here was somebody, a Samaritan, who saw a Jew, said, I'm willing to go and help him, even though I know they despise me. I'm willing to put those things aside to sacrifice my time, my resources, to show this man that I absolutely do love him. Are you willing to sacrifice? We say we love our neighbors, but are you willing to love them enough even if it means sacrifice? 59 years ago today, on May 2nd, 1962, Gladys Kidd, she placed a dramatic advertisement in the San Francisco Examiner. Her husband was on death row. And she said, I don't want my husband to die in the gas chamber for a crime he did not commit. She said, I will therefore offer my services for 10 years as a cook, maid, or housekeeper to any leading attorney who will defend him and bring about his vindication. Vincent uh, Hallian, one of San Francisco's best lawyers, happened to see the advertisement. He felt pity for her and contacted the woman. And he accepted the case and ended up getting the innocent man released from all charges. Afterward, the attorney refused the lady's offer of 10 years of service, noting that he was satisfied to have saved an innocent man from death. But she was willing to sacrifice 10 years as a cook, as a maid or housekeeper, 
for something like this. She was willing to sacrifice all of that because she loved her husband. Again, I ask you, do you love one another? It's going to be evident in whether you are willing to sacrifice or not. True love is always displayed through sacrifice. And if you're wondering if that's true or not, I would invite you just to ask the Lord. Remember what John 3.16 says? For God so loved. Yeah, was it, a, it was it an attitude of his heart? Yeah, I think it was in his heart that he, it was an emotion that he felt. And, and I know that he's God and he, I may not, we, we don't understand exactly God and how he feels, but the Bible does talk about some, of, some emotions that God has. And, and I think that there is that emotion of, of love, but guess what? It moved him to action, but not just any action. It moved him to sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he didn't just give his leftovers. He gave his very best when he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. So uh, how did Jesus love? Well, he loved sacrificially, but it was also not only sacrificial, it was also steadfast. Too many times our love for one another is conditional upon what they will do for us in return. Hey, I'll scratch your back as long as you scratch mine. That's the type of loving one another that most of us are familiar with. I'll love you so long as I kind of get some positive feedback from you. And, but once that stops, then all bets are off. Uh, this love, no mas. But see, that's not how Jesus loved the disciples, though, is it? He had steadfast love for the disciples. Just think of Peter. He was a disciple who uh, very boldly and courageously uh, stated and promised that he was going to be faithful to the very end. He said that though everyone else would forsake, that he would stay true. Not me, Lord. I'll stay true. Well, not just but a few hours later, we find Peter at a campfire warming himself and denying the Lord not once, not twice, but three times that he even knew the Lord. Well, Jesus knew about it. In fact, at that moment, the cock crew, the rooster crew, crowed and and uh, about that time, Jesus was walking by and their eyes happened to meet through the sovereignty of God. I think those eyes were of disappointment and hatred. I'm sure there was a little disappointment perhaps in his eyes, but maybe a little of, I told you so. You should have listened. But I'm sure there was definitely mostly love in those eyes because did Jesus give up on Peter after that? Absolutely not. After the resurrection, Jesus made a special appearance just to Peter and had the conversation, hey, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you love, I, I love you. Twice, the second time, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Well, then feed my sheep. The third time, uh, once probably for every time he denied the Lord. And you see, the Lord was not done with Peter. His, his love was not conditional upon Peter's performance. And can I say this to all of us today? God's love for you and for me is not conditional upon our performance. 
I was uh, thinking about this aspect of the sermon earlier this morning, and I happened to sing, and I, I don't know if I should sing it or not, but there's a, there's a version of Jesus loves me, this I know, that's a little different than what we're all used to. But one of the verses says, Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. And Jesus loves me when I'm bad, even though it makes him sad. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus loves us not because of who we are and not because of what we do or don't do. It's because of who he is. It's his nature. And it's steadfast. He'll never stop loving us. The word here that uh, Jesus used in verse number 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That word love there is the version, it is from the Greek word agape. It's the agape love, the unconditional love. So that's how we're to love others, like the Lord loves me and you, unconditionally. Jeremiah 31 and verse number 3, the Lord says, uh, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Uh, his love will have no end. And this is the type of love we're to have one for another, a steadfast love. Now, I will do a little parenthesis here. This is not to say that we continue to let others abuse and take advantage of us over and over again in the name of love. Sometimes it is most loving to set up some real boundaries in our lives to stop enabling toxic behavior. Obviously, this takes courage, wisdom, and grace. But sometimes we are way too quick to give up on someone. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you? And so uh, the expectation is that we would love one another. Well, how do we do so? Well, with sacrifice and with steadfastness like Jesus loved us and loves us. But then thirdly, I want us to see number three, and finally this morning, number three, the example. The example. Verse number 13. Jesus here, again speaking in verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John 10 and verse number 11, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. So several times Jesus said that he gave himself for us. Greater love hath no man than this. This was the ultimate example of love, and here's a couple reasons why. First of all, because of our condition. Why was this love so amazing and so wonderful and the greatest love there ever was and ever is? It's because of our condition. Yes, the Bible says here that great love motivates someone to give his life for his friends. And Jesus did just that. He gave his life for his friends, but listen, he also gave his life for me who was his enemy. How many of you, if you had, you know, somebody at work that you just could not stand, could not, and when the feeling was mutual, 
And it was like, man, I just can't stand that person. I want to get to work early so that I get their parking space or, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, you, you, you just try to find ways to antagonize one another. They're your enemy. And there's someone who walks in with a gun and says, one of you is going to die. And you step in front and say, I'll take the bullet so that that person can live. Who would be willing to do that? Most of us would be like, right there. I nominate them. <laughs> I have a recommendation. I would like to make a motion that they're the one. That's how the average person would be. But you see, Jesus, as he looked down upon us, saw us in our condition and was willing, in spite of the fact that we, the Bible calls us enemies, was willing to die in our place. Romans 5 and verse number 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Here in this passage, we're described as without strength. We're described as ungodly. We're described as sinners. And we're described as his enemies. And all the while, he still is willing to die for us, to show us his love. Amazing. And look, the, we were all born sinners, all of us. I'm a father of four children. Two of those children are in the room today. Actually, one of them is, and the other three are in junior church. But uh, in my parenting, I never had to one time sit them down and explain to them how to sin. You see, out of the womb, they were professional sinners. They were experts. They knew exactly the ins and outs of how to sin, how to throw a temper tantrum. They were professionals. I mean, MVPs, if there were a sport about it, gold medalists even. But guess what? So was, so was I. I was a professional sinner too. And so are you. Despite us, though, being sinners by birth and sinners by choice, Jesus died for us. No wonder he is the ultimate example of love. We sang a song this morning called, And Can It Be? The chorus says, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? I wasn't worth it. At least in my mind, but in his I was. When you consider our condition, no wonder it's the greatest example of love because of our condition, but secondly, because of his cost. He paid a great price physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It cost him everything, his life. The Lord Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
So Jesus, who is the life, was willing to experience death so that you and I could live. The amount of sacrifice that that was is something that we'll never completely, totally understand. Oh, there have been some good examples of love in history. I want to give you just a couple of them very briefly. On May 21st, 1946, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, a young and daring scientist was carrying out a necessary experiment in preparation for the atomic test to be conducted in the waters of the South Pacific. In his effort to determine the amount of uranium-235 necessary for a chain reaction, he would push two hemispheres of uranium together. Then just as the mass became critical, he would push them apart with his screwdriver, thus instantly stopping the chain reaction. Even though the young scientist had successfully performed this experiment many times before, on that day something went terribly wrong. As the material became critical, the screwdriver slipped, and the hemispheres of uranium came too close together. Instantly, the room was filled with a dazzling bluish haze. Young Lois, or I'm sorry, Louis Slotin, instead of ducking, and thereby possibly saving himself, stood up and tore the two hemispheres apart with his bare hands. Consequently, interrupted the chain reaction, but from his instant heroic act, he saved the lives of seven other people in that room. As he waited for the car that was to take them to the hospital later that day, he quietly said to his companion, You'll come through all right, but I haven't the faintest chance myself. He was right. Nine days later, he died in agony. But that was a tremendous example of love, being willing to do that. Then in June of... 1997, according to the Chicago Tribune, a parachute instructor, Michael Costello, 42 years of age, of Mount Dora, Florida, jumped out of an airplane at 12,000 feet with a novice skydiver named Gareth Griffith, age 21. The novice would soon discover just how good his instructor was, for when the novice pulled his ripcord, his parachute failed. And plummeting toward the ground, he faced certain death. But the instructor did an amazing thing. Just before hitting the ground, the instructor rolled over so that he would hit the ground first. And the novice would land on top of him. The instructor was killed instantly. The novice fractured his spine in the fall, but he was not paralyzed. One man took the place of another. Takes the brunt for another. One substitute, substitutes himself to die so another may live. Tremendous example of love. And while these are great examples of love, there is one that is greater. The story is told of a woman who left her husband. The husband called the police and filed a missing persons report. A few weeks later, the police found her a few counties over. So they asked him if he wanted to take, them to take him to her. Well, by now the husband had realized how poorly he had treated his wife. And so he decided to write his wife, and he did for months. Well, finally, Christmas came, and he went to go see her, and she was staying in a rundown hotel. He asked her to come home, and, and she did. On the way home, he said, look, I've written to you for months. Why did you come now, home so easily right now? 
She replied, because those were just letters. This time you came in person. As I was saying, the greatest example of love was when God loved us so much that he was willing to send his son to us and come in person to this earth. In the form of a little baby in Bethlehem's manger, he lived a sinless life and then died a horrible death on the cross of Calvary. One commentator commented about what happened there on the cross. He said, it was during that time that Jesus bore the indescribable curse of our sins. In those three hours were compressed the hell which we deserved, the wrath of God against all our transgressions. We see it only dimly. We simply cannot know what it meant for him to satisfy all of God's righteous claims against sin. We only know that in those three hours, he paid the price, he settled the debt, and finished the work necessary for men's redemption. And then, you know what? That's not the end of the story, because guess what happened three days later? Up from the grave, he arose. And he rose from the grave, and he lives today, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And so we see the greatest example of love in Jesus and what he did for us. And so what's our, what's our takeaway today? What should we walk away from this message? Well, first and foremost, most importantly, number one, repent and believe on Christ. Jesus didn't go through all of that just so that it's an inspirational story for all of us. He did that to rescue us from our sin. And there is only one way to heaven, and God went to amazing lengths to make it possible for you to have a relationship with Him. It's not through being a good person or doing good works. It's about repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross and the fact that He rose again the third day. Repent and believe. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, you've never been born again. You've never placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone. Today is the day. You're not guaranteed another day. Um, today is a day of salvation for you, and I would encourage you on this May 2nd, We Love More Sunday, to come to Christ and be saved. And for those of us who have come to Christ, and we've tasted and received the love of God in our hearts, then it should propel us then to truly love one another. Not just in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let's love one another the way that Jesus loves us. Uh, love with sacrifice and love with steadfastness. And that's how we're to love one another. Let me end with a verse from 1 John 3.16. Most of us are familiar with John 3.16. Here's 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, I don't really want to lay down my life for anybody in here. Other, I mean, I'm willing to for my wife and my kids. But I, I want to love you enough that I am willing to, if need be. I'm thankful for those who serve in our armed forces who are willing to do that. Some who serve on the police force, who are willing day by day to put their lives on the line to protect uh, peace and, um, and, and our safety here in our community. Are you willing to lay down your life? Are you willing to love the way that Jesus loves? Greater love. I hope that you have some greater love as a result of us being in church today.
Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to look at this wonderful passage of Scripture on love. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us to love one another as you have loved us. What a high expectation. But God, just because it's high doesn't mean we should not strive for it. Help us, Lord, to love by being willing to sacrifice, by being steadfast and, and not just a fly-by-night, fleety, whimmy uh, love, but that we have everlasting love for one another. And Lord, I were so thankful for the example of love that you gave us. In spite of who we were and are as sinners in your eyes, Lord, thank you for being willing to die in our place. And Father, I pray that if there's one here today that does not know for sure that they have a relationship with you, they've never placed their faith in Christ, oh, I pray that that would be the the decision that they would make today. And then, Lord, I pray that you would, again, grant us strength and uh, help us, Lord, to intentionally, deliberately to love those around us in our sphere of influence. To those who we come in contact with, whether we know them or not, help us, Lord, to love one another, to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Ms. Pat and the musicians to play through on this first verse of Softly and Tenderly. And as they do, I want to just invite you to have a time of prayer right there in your seat, a time of decision, a time where you uh, talk to the Lord about perhaps what He's talked to you about uh, this morning in the service. I'll be quiet and let you have a time of prayer as she uh, begins to play.